0: Welcome to the Seattle Public Library's podcasts of author readings and library events, a series of readings, performances, lectures, and discussions. Library podcasts are brought to you by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation. To learn more about our programs and podcasts, visit our website at www.spl.org. To learn how you can help the Library Foundation support the Seattle Public Library, Go to foundation.spl.org. The podcast you are about to hear was recorded in 2011.
1: Welcome to another Seattle Bibliocafe podcast. Librarians and today friends um, getting together to talk about books. Um, And my name is Misha, and today I have with me David, another librarian, and Jennifer Warwick. And Jennifer and her friend, Carrie Colburn, are going to be presenting on April 2nd at the Central Library from 12 to 1 on Level 4 in Room 1, a workshop called Publish Your Passion, Um, Learn How to Turn Your Interest into a Book and Sell It. So thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer. We're going to um, talk a little bit about publishing and books with you. Awesome. I never
0: um, pass up an opportunity to have coffee and talk about books at any point, or me for that instance, for that matter. (laughs) Um, Yeah, um, so the lovely Carrie Colburn and I, um, she's also um, a very prolific author and former publishing executive. We've teamed up and we're doing a whole kind of host of publishing talks and workshops, and we're doing one at the library, which we're really excited about, um, called Publisher Passion, because one of the things we always start out by talking about in our workshops is that... The best book ideas come from your own experience, and you tend to be an expert on what interests you, whether it's, you know, for me, I'm kind of a beach glass hoarder, um, and so I get really interested and go down the rabbit hole with that. You know, um, I've written about relationships, and Nancy Drew, and... um, uh, one of one of my um, books led to another book, making me realize I wasn't very connected to my family. So I wrote a book called Beyond the Family Tree, which is a book of kind of unexpected questions to engage conversation with family you might feel disconnected from, and then how to use social media to stay connected. Um, so something that was going on in my life led to that actual book being published. And Carrie um, has written on everything from cocktails to... Um, parenting, which those things seem to go hand in hand sometimes. (laughs) Um, So we're going to be kind of imparting our secrets about how to actually research your idea and develop it into a viable book proposal and develop yourself and position yourself as the perfect author for that book as well.
2: is Is it your belief that everybody has a book in them? That's kind of a cliche, but...
0: It certainly seems to be the case. Um, I mean, the, the whole series of talks we've been doing are um, kind of are a way to harness our information into one talk because we've had so many people through the years stop us. I mean, for Carrie, it's parents on the playground. For me, it's people on Match.com. Instead of, like, emailing me how much they liked my profile, they email me that they have a book idea. <laughs> they get the big no thanks back. Um, so... It does seem to be, and especially Seattle is such a literary town. We thought everyone, is, are, there's so many avid readers here that um, it goes hand in hand that people have book ideas as they go through their life or as they're reading another book, it might spark a book idea. And we really do think everyone has a book idea, um, at least in Seattle, and we're here to help them actually shape that and try and make their dreams into an actual book on the shelf. And another point I'd like to make is that um, the workshop applies to any burgeoning author, whether you want to be writing a children's book, whether you write fiction. And any kind of fiction, whether it's genre fiction or literary fiction or a historical novel or nonfiction. We um, can help you shape your idea and you as an author for any of those uh, categories.
1: Um, well, thank you, Jennifer. And again, you can hear Jennifer and Carrie um, in their program Publisher Passion at the Central Library on April 2nd, 2011, from noon to 1 on Level 4, Room 1. And so now we're going to talk about what we've been reading. Um, One book that I I recently um, read that both a a colleague of mine and patrons have told me to read and I finally picked up is um, a classic mystery by Josephine Tay called The Daughter of Time. And it's um, about a Scotland Yard detective who's laid up in the hospital after he fell through a trap door and his name is Alan Grant, and he's he's kind of snarky and um, very very um, very outspoken man. And when we meet him, he is describing the two nurses that are attending to him as the midget and the Amazon. And you kind of get from the get-go the fact that he's he's very very funny, got a wry sense of humor. Well, he's a detective, and he can't stop doing that work. And he feels like he has a really good eye for faces. And so when a friend of his brings in a sheaf of pictures, and he looks through them, he gets stuck on this one photograph. And he discovers that the the man who has so intrigued him is Richard III. Now, he's asking himself, does this man look more like a judge or a criminal? And he kind of comes up with Judge, and so he starts to look into the history of Richard III, and tries to find out was he really the monster that locked his nephews, killed his nephews in the Tower, or not? And so this book, when it came out in 1951, really sparked a lot of um, a lot of interest in Richard III and, and questioning what history has has told us, and some of it may not have been entirely accurate. So it's a, it's a it's a mystery. And and, uh, and a really interesting look into history through the eyes of a, a really fascinating um, main character. So that's Josephine Tay's The Daughter of Time.
0: That sounds great. It kind of reminds me of, is it The Air Affair? Mm, yeah. You know, kind of being able to jump into a novel. Yes. And what happens when you can rewrite the novel. Yes. And meet the characters and what they're actually really like outside the pages. Yeah the Fair is a really fun book too well that reminds me kind of speaking of historical time travel um, (laughs) of the book I'm reading um, or I just plowed through in short order which just hit the shelves I think in February which is A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness um it starts out in the Bodleian Library at Oxford, um, where a woman who comes from a long line of witches, um, Diana Bishop, I think her name is, is um, kind of renouncing her witchy nature and trying to kind of make it in the world on her own merits. And so she is a um, professor of alchemy, and she's, she somehow unknowingly um, conjures up this manuscript that has been lost for hundreds of years. And um, in doing so, attracts the attention of the witch, demon, and vampire community, all of whom are, like, after this manuscript. Um, And she attracts the interest of a hunky vampire named Matthew Claremont, um, who's kind of been around for 1,500 years, and he doesn't look a day over 37, and um, uh, so there... there's um, kind of this caper and intrigue and mysticism and a lot of traveling to interesting places. Um, and uh, it kind of has a bit of an outlander feel because there's some time travel that comes into play at some point. Um, and halfway through, I was, I started to get sad, as I, I do when I'm really re- reading a book I love, that it's going to come to an end at some point. And then when I got to the end... I was actually kind of a little ticked off because um, it's the. I found out it's the first in a, a trilogy, and I can't wait for the next two, and I'm probably going to have to wait a while for her to write the second book, so Discovery of Witches, love.
1: And I read it too and really, really loved it as well.
2: Well, I'm going to take it in a completely different direction. The book that I'm reading now, actually, I'm about halfway through, but... I was up late last night reading it and really enjoying it so much that I just had to talk about it today. And it's completely different from the kind of book I usually read. To look at sort of its outsides and its superficial, this falls into the category of memoirs about people with horrible lives, which is a very popular uh, genre right now. These, what's, what's often been termed misery lit, right? And the people who've just kind of gone through hell and and live to tell the tale and generally that's not a a genre that especially interests me Um, but this book which is uh, the chronology of water by lydia yuknovich i think it's spelled with a y is really extraordinarily well written and i'm going to try and unpack that but any book for example that begins with basically the scene of a miscarriage that's, not the kind of, that's the kind of book that I will walk around the block to avoid, and yet I was fascinated. I was just drawn in by um, the intensity and the truth and the um, kind of unselfconscious poetry of the writing. Her writing is very physical. Um, there's kind of a no-holds-barred. Her life, her story, she was a, a, a professional athlete, a swimmer, um, came from an abusive household, Um, got into drugs, just kind of all the sort of way stations that we've come to expect from this sort of memoir, many of which she actually leaves out in a way that is kind of beguiling. But she's also very direct about her writing has a lot of physicality to it, um, the way in which she describes the body and all its functions, sometimes in kind of astonishing detail, but not in a way to make you squirm. It's so true and so powerful. If it could make me... You know, really want to stay up very late reading a memoir about somebody's hellish life and being completely wrapped. Then I think uh, I think it should have a really wide readership, um, but just beautifully written. That is uh, the chronology of water by Lydia Yuknovich.
0: I think one, one thing you touched on that I find interesting is the idea that I think a lot of writers go down the rabbit hole when they're writing. They get so wrapped up in telling their story that they don't think about the reader on the other end, and it seems as though, however, you know whether it was intentional or not, she really was able to speak to you and capture your attention and interest by, you know, her her writing style um, and maybe not getting so wrapped up in her pain, but thinking about what is it that I want? to, What is the message I want to get across? What is what are the main themes? And maybe I don't need to go into all of it. And so again, I think whatever book you're writing, it's helpful to kind of think about the end reader.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to take us back to the world of, of vampires and, and, mm. and, and such, and I just really briefly, actually, for a reader like yourself who's waiting for the next Deborah Harkness book to follow up the Discovery of Witches, you might enjoy this one. It's um, Soulless by Gail Carriger, and um, it's the first in an, the Alexia Terra novels. And Alexia is a, just a great character. She's sort of everything you might expect. She's um, it's, The book itself is set in Victorian England, but a Victorian England with vampires and witches. And Alexia, who is uh, of another category altogether. She is a preternatural, which means she was born without a soul. So she goes to a party when the book starts, and she's been expecting to get, you know, some treacle tarts and some good food and nothing is there so she wanders into the library to try and forage for herself. And a vampire doesn't introduce himself, just tries to lunge at her and, and make her his food. And she thwacks um, at him with her parasol, which she has at all times. He lands into a tray of treacle tarts, and somehow her hairpin um, stabs him in the heart. And that is the beginning of, um, of you know, basically a rollicking ride through this world that Carragher creates and um, all these really interesting things that start to happen to Alexia. And it's also, it's, it's an urban fantasy, it's also a steampunk novel, and really at its heart it's a romance between Alexia and her werewolf, suitor. So that's Soulless by Gail Carriger.
2: I've been reading really depressing books lately, I guess, but I just listened to the recording of uh, Emma Donahue's Room, which many of you may have read, I don't know, that's the one about the mother and the child locked in the room <laughs> by a horrible psychopath, and it's, it's narrated by the child, the five-year-old boy the audiobook is terrific it's mostly a child narrator who really does, does it wonderfully well and I kept being reminded even though the details of the book are not similar it felt to me like the same kind of reading experience that um, uh, Cormac McCarthy's The Road was ostensibly just a horrible horrible situation and yet it's really a very moving book about sort of the bond between parent and child. And, and that really came through, especially in the recording, where you have this chi- not just the written voice of a child, but the spoken voice of a child, which is completely disarming. And so I recommend for people who like audiobooks, uh, the, the, the recording of Room by Emma Donahue
0: I'm a little all over the place. I'm not going to talk about what I'm reading now, but I am listening to Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now in the car on my way to and from my part-time job, Um, really helping me kind of stay present when there's a lot of emotional um, tumult going on around me. Um, Love that. And then I'd also recommend, um, for a juicy kind of literary book, I loved The Shadow of the Wind, Um, and then I recently read The Angels Game by... Carlos, Carlos Ruiz Zephan. <laughs> yeah. I, I can never say his name. Thank you very much. Um, and um, the thing that I read in an interview that he gave was that Shadow of the Wind was really about and for the reader, and the Angels game is about the writer, and it's kind of about the writing process and obsession and writer's block. And after I read that, I I understood that. And But it's full of, like, this devil-like character. It's set in... guess 1940s Spain it's all very um, overly dramatic and and lush and rich and there's a tower and madness and a a long forgotten book and it's a really juicy read so I'd recommend that and um, if you do like Kind of literary mysteries. I loved *The Historian* um, as well, which again, vampire. I'm kind of over vampires for some reason, but they keep trickling into what I read. Well, they do
2: live forever. I guess so.
0: <laughs> um, Yeah, and I don't get the zombie thing either. Although I am kind of reading the passage. Um, I got through the first part of the passage. (laughs) first
2: 400 pages? Yes,
0: the first part of the passage when I had gotten really attached to these characters, which I probably shouldn't have. And um, then I had to return it to the library and pay my fine. So I got it back again. So um, um, I'm I'm persevering with that because that's a really great book too by um, Justin Cronin. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer Warwick. And again, you can see her and Carrie Colburn on April 2, 2011 at the Central Library at noon. Um, and thank you, um, David and Jennifer, to getting together to talk about books. That was the Seattle Biblio Cafe.
0: This podcast was presented by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation and made possible by your contributions to the Seattle Public Library Foundation.
1: Thanks for listening.